0: Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this opportunity that you've given um, Reverend Landy and myself to visit NBC Ongata Rongai. We thank you, Lord, for an opportunity to visit our brothers and sisters here. And we pray, Lord, that as we preach and as we bring your word, that our visit will not be in vain, that it will have your results. And so towards that, we ask that you'll help us preach indeed, You'll help us preach your word. We thank you that you have entrusted us with your word as your workmanship, created for good works, including preaching your word. And so as we preach, we pray, Lord, that you'll keep away error from us and you'll give us hearts that care for your people as we preach your word to them and for them. Lord, we thank you for the love that you've given us for them as well, that as we preach, we will delight in them, not only to share the word with them, but to share our lives with them as well. And so, Father, we ask that your grace, O Jesus Christ, and your love, O God, and your fellowship, O Holy Spirit, will be with us as we preach today, in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen and amen. Thank you very much. That is my wife, uh, Levina Munengi Mulandi. We thank you for your ministry of praying for us this morning. I also want to thank um, our dear Kevin and the entire team, worship team and media team who are here, and pastors um, Irene and our lead pastor, who uh, is away. we can only be uh, 15 or less here at the church. And so that's why you might not be seeing everybody else. Why don't we just appreciate this team that works so hard <laughs> and thank God for them. Thank you. May the Lord bless you in excess of your sacrifices. I also want to bring you greetings uh, from Gong Road. If there are any Gong Road people who are watching this, let me tell you, this place is wonderful. You need to visit this place. Or if you're from any other of our assemblies, please take time and visit NBC Ongatarongai. And those of you who are NBC Ongatarongai people we miss you. The chairs are so empty. I'm only seeing white in front of me. We are really missing you. And we are praying that the Lord will push over this pandemic, that we may come back together in the house of the Lord the way we knew how to. But now even as we fellowship through the camera, I pray that God will be glorified and that he would encourage you wherever you are. Amen and amen and amen. My wife and I have two sons. Uh, who are ministering, they do ministry at Gong Road, and so they are not able to join us for all our journeys, but we are pleased to be here, and we thank God. Thank you very much for that recitation uh, from our, our dear sister Emma, and um, our brother uh, who has been pioneering this ministry, uh, Dr. Wari. Thank you, and may the Lord bless you for this wonderful work that you do. If Races were to be run at night. What would they be like? How would they look like? I want to suggest to you that this is how they would be run. If we were to race at night, then would put a torch in front of us. I don't know if you can see the torch, I don't know if you can see the light. This is how we'd be running the race with a torch. Uh, able to illuminate for us the way we are going. But today's believers are so brave that we run in the night of this era of corruption, of um, negative ethnicity, of this pandemic without illumination. We sing, open the eyes of my heart while our Bibles are closed and yet expect to journey successfully, and to journey this race of grace. The Bible says in Psalms 119, 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. But how come you and I step out of bed confidently without switching on some illumination to help us as we get out? A torch, a light, a lamp. Today we begin a series on sanctification. Sanctification can be described as the transformation of a believer in godliness, growth in godliness, greater victory over the power of sin. It can be defined as the time of growth in Christlikeness between justification and glorification. Let me try and describe that because it's going to consume a lot of my thoughts this morning. So there is a day when you and I surrendered our lives to Christ. And in the books of God, your name and my name were, were written there as children of God. We had become right with God and the big word for being made right with God is called justification. But then we live in this life between that time, <coughs> excuse me, and the time when Christ will come for us. That glorious time when he'll crack the sky and the dead in Christ will be taken up and we shall join them and him in the air. And that time we will be completely transformed. And the big theological word for that is glorification. So we have been justified, made right with Christ at this point. But then we are journeying now and waiting for that moment at the end called glorification. Some of us will enter that glorification while we are still on earth. Others will join it, uh, you know, from the, from the grave as our bodies which were sowed, um, perishable will be, you know, will come up imperishable and join with our Lord, Buana <coughs> Sifiwe. But the time between justification and glorification is this journey called sanctification. Is this race, is this marathon that we go through day by day becoming more and more Christ-like, growing in godliness, becoming more even in appearance in terms of our relationship with sin as we put away sin looking more and more like Jesus Christ. Now, there are various ways in which this sanctification happens, but these ways are not separate from each other. They work together. For example, if we read in the book of James, it has something very interesting to say, if I can read for us James chapter 2, showing that suffering, perseverance, is another tool of sanctification. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So you see that progress, perseverance to complete this work, to make us mature, that is sanctification that is brought to us through suffering, through perseverance. Another of the ways of sanctification is time and time in the word. If you read the book of Hebrews, chapter 5, verse 12, verse 13 and 14, the writer of the book of Hebrews says, is rebuking them and saying, by this time you ought to be teachers, but you're still taking milk. By this time. Showing that there was an expectation over time that between the time we we were justified and now we should be making some progress over time in our sanctification. But then in verse 14, the writer to the Hebrews makes it clear that those who have become mature is because who by constant use of the word of God have attained this level of going from glory to glory, marching on from justification to glorification, the process of sanctification. Last week we looked at yet another of these um, ways of uh, the, the process of sanctification, and we looked at Zechariah with our elder Juan Seto, Dr. Bernard Seto, and we talked about refining fire, Zechariah chapter 13 verse 9, a verse that is also used in Malachi chapter 3 verse 3. And look, it's not describing a fire that destroys. No, in fact, in Malachi 3.3, 3, it gives a wonderful picture. It says, he will sit as a refining fire, he will sit. What does that mean, he will sit? He will sit so that he watches closely over it because the purpose is not to burn the gold or to burn the silver. He will put refiners' as fire, but it is to purify. It is these instruments that God uses from the time we are justified, from the time we surrender our lives to Christ, to the time he will come for us, In that process of sanctification, he sits and we go through fire that he has authorized himself, and not fire to destroy you and I, but fire to purify us. And so Paul writes in this same light, another instrument of sanctification, and the setting for this book is that the Thessalonians have reached a place of disillusionment with their faith. You see, they were so enthusiastic having come to receive Christ. They were so excited by this justification that they were now ready for glorification. And they began to be disappointed because stalwarts of the faith, great men and women of the faith, were dying. And they were wondering, how can the righteous die? Is there hope? And if they are dying, when is Jesus coming? And they did not understand that between justification and glorification, there is a process called sanctification. And so Paul writes to them, telling them a little more about the last days, telling them a little more about death of a believer, and then he ends the epistle with these bullet commands, how are you to live knowing that God's promise is sure? Because those who have rested... Those who are asleep, remember, he's trying to show this is not a permanent state that they're in. They have only slept because Jesus is coming back and when he cracks the skies, our brothers and sisters, our stalwarts, our heroes in the faith are going to be taken up and with us to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. So he comes towards the end of the book with these bullet commands on how they are to live as they wait for sanctification. Because sanctification is a work of the Holy Spirit, he speaks to them and says three things. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Hold on to the good and reject the evil. Central in those commands is prophecy. Prophecy is a message from God, usually about the future, but theologians have used a term to capture both. It is forth telling and foretelling. And so, it tells us about the future, but also gives us God's message now. And all that is defined as prophecy. It is part of God's instrument, like a map, like a key, like a compass, like a legend to interpret the map of our journey of following Christ from justification to glorification. I'd like to share with us three quick points on this. And I'm going to use uh, three letters that, as Kenyans, we are very, very familiar with. ETR, the document we get when we make legitimate purchases and, you know, to show that we have paid the requisite taxes. ETR. But I want to share just three things using those letters. ETR without much reference to their meaning within the context, the Kenyan receipting context. However, I hope you note that the ETR receipts is what communicates to you and I that what we have bought, we have paid for genuinely, and there's no fraudulent business. Same thing about prophecies. Prophecies, E-T-R. One, that they exist. Two, that they need to be tested. Three, that they demand a response. E, that they exist. T, that they need to be tested. And R, that they demand a response. You see, there are two words here that Paul uses that we need to take cognizance of. And the two phrases, I beg your pardon, the two phrases use the word do not, do not. The use of the word do not quench the spirit and the use of the word do not treat prophecies with, uh, do not treat prophecies with contempt is proof that this supernatural intervention in your life and my life is necessary to make a successful journey onward and upward towards glorification. That this divine provision that we are urged not to quench the Holy Spirit and not to treat prophecies with um, contempt is an integral part of you and I growing in sanctification. They are a provision of the Holy Spirit and that is why we are instructed, do not quench the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to quench the Holy Spirit? If we were to use the illustration of a fire, How do you quench a fire? Either you take a bucket of water and throw water into the fire, and you'll have quenched the fire. Secondly, you can remove log by log by log, and in no time, you will have quenched that fire. And Paul is telling these believers in Thessaloniki that if you are going to succeed in this journey Of being transformed daily. In what he tells the Ephesians. That you may reach the fullness of the stature of Christ. Then you need to have this divine intervention. That requires you not to quench the Holy Spirit of God. And so you need to be careful to check. That you are not only following logical things. But that you are open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And we are instructed do not quench the Holy Spirit. These two do, do not and do not, there are a provision for our guidance, and that we are that's why we are instructed not to treat prophecies with contempt. Now, the challenge is this in Nairobi and African Christianity today, in the city you and I live the connection with the divine sometimes is so bizarre that you and I find it easier just to completely withdraw from it. It has so much drama, it has so many fraudulent people, there are so many false prophets that you and I have disengaged. And the problem with you and I disengaging, just like the believers in Thessalonica are being told, you have now begun a journey from justification to glorification. And it's a journey in the dark. And it is filled with all kinds of obstacles. How will you run this race without illumination? And then it says, be careful. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not put aside the divine connection. And do not treat prophecies with contempt. You see, prophecies were so powerful... That even in the Old Testament, even heathen kings like Ahab knew that their success was based on the prophecy, the words that came from God. Whether there were words saying what is happening now, foretelling, or whether there were words of foretelling what is going to happen. In fact, so reliant is he on prophecy. Remember, a very wayward king. This is Jezebel's husband. But so reliant is he That his greatest enemy, the king of Aram, in his war cabinet is wondering, what is happening? There must be one of us that is leaking secrets to Israel, to Ahab. There must be a spy among us. Because wherever we go to to kidnap them, they find out. They, they, They seem to have intel. One of us in the cabinet is leaking out information. And then they tell him, Ahab. I mean, king of Aram, let it be known to you that there's a prophet in Israel and whatever you whisper, even in your bedroom, please check it in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 12, it is said to the king of Israel. Why? Because there exists a prophet. You and I are going through life without that intel. Yet, even the apostle Paul in Acts chapter 21, verse 10 to 14. When his life is threatened and he's wondering what is happening, a prophecy by a prophet called Agabus, Acts chapter 21, 10 to 14, helps him to understand that although there is danger, it is, it is so well communicated that he is able to journey this journey of sanctification and of the ministry that God has called him. So they exist, number two, that they need to be tested, E T R that they exist, and that's why we're told, do not quench, and do not treat with contempt, the prophecies. But secondly, there are so many false prophecies and prophets that we must test the prophet, and we must tell, test the prophecy. And Paul makes it abundantly clear that although he's telling us not to treat them with contempt, although he's telling us not to quench the spirit, he makes it abundantly clear, but test the all of them test every word that comes. I think you remember Nehemiah in Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 11 to, to 12. And I'm not sure if I have enough time to read for you. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 6 and verse 10. One day in the house of Shemaiah, son of Delias, the son of Mehetai, Bel, who was shut in, in his home, he said, Let us meet in the house of the Lord inside the temple. Doesn't that sound so spiritual? Come, let's meet in the sanctuary. Let us close the doors and just be in the presence of God. Hallelujah, it would be said. Because men are coming to kill you by night. They are coming to kill you. Verse 11, but I said, should a man like me run away? Or should someone like me go to the temple to save his life? I will not, keep. verse number 12, I realized that God had not sent him but that he had prophesied against me because of my enemies, Tobiah and Sanballat. And so we must test all the prophecies. One of the prophecies that has carried me came the day I gave my life to Christ. I joined the Christian Union at school and were were in a time of worship. And then this Form 1 boy began prophesying. Now, in my school, there was a long hierarchy from Form 1 to Form 6. And then above Form 6, now you have, you know, the monitors, the prefects, the head of houses. It was a long chain of command. Now, you can imagine somebody in Form 1 prophesying. And this young man just began prophesying. And I remember the prophecy till today. Because when I had that prophecy, and then I read the same in the Bible... Then there was a connection, I was able to test and know this was a true prophecy. Because what did he say? He said he saw a fire burning, and there was this metal pot, I think they're called colidrons that was rising from the pot, and there were people holding on to it, and he said, those that hold on to it, to the end, shall be saved. Isn't that what we see in Philippians chapter uh, 2? Verse 12 and 13, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his purpose, but work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And when I saw that, you know, that was in tandem with scripture, I knew this was a prophecy from God. And from 1989 till today, I remember that prophecy. But the same person, when he saw he had the attention of the whole school, my opinion about it, he began prophesying, oh, prefect so-and-so is going to pass and go to university. And so and so in Form 2 is going to give me chapati tonight. Now, the prophet, I had to test the prophet, and the prophet was right. I had to test the prophecy, and the prophecy was right. But not all of it, because it got to a place where it was no longer congruent with the Spirit of God. In conclusion, ETR, it exists. Prophecy exists. And secondly, it must be tested. Not it can, it, it should, it must be tested. And thirdly, we must respond to it. If it is good, Paul makes it simple. If it is good, you follow it. If it is bad, you throw it out. One of the most influential prophecies that I've seen in all scripture is Daniel chapter 9. They are in prayer. They are in the land of uh, captivity in Babylon. Chapter 9, In the first year of Darius, son of Zaxis, who was made ruler of our Babylon kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord, given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. Verse 3, So I turned to the Lord and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting, and in sackcloth, and in ashes. That is an illustration that when you and I receive a prophecy, we must be in the spirit. The fire must be burning for us to know and to to, to receive this divine communication, and not to treat prophecy with contempt, but with enough caution for us to test the prophecy, and once we know it is of God, to absorb it, and to go into prayer like Daniel did, or if it is a wrong one, like Nehemiah, to reject it. You know the world right now is swimming with prophecies, conspiracy theories. Believers are looking right and left and center for a prophet to tell us this corona, oh, is it the mark of the beast, oh, is it this, that, and the other? And people are buying prophets on the internet and consulting prophet X, prophet Y. And I'm not saying that there is no prophet, but have you consulted Habakkuk, Micah, Zechariah, Zephaniah, Haggai, Daniel, Elijah, and Elijah? Have you consulted these prophets? You see, much as I'm urging us, the people of God, that we cannot walk in this corona season without prophecy. We must have indeed illumination for this dark path that we are walking through. But you know, prophecy, the way prophecy comes, because of the way we are told to test it, it must come through. It must be through the word. Because it says in Hebrews chapter 1, In the past, God spoke to us through dreams, through these various ways. But in the last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And the Word became flesh. My brother and my sisters, as you seek how you're going to guide your family, guide your finances, guide your business, guide all kinds of things between the time you are justified. And this great challenge we have, for example, right now, or whatever you're going through, disappointments of life and pandasukas of life, I pray that you would not walk without a word. Why do we wake up from bed and with, 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 with braveness and boldness go into a day before we've received a word of prophecy? Because it's here. And anything external you hear must be congruent with this. My brothers and my sisters, I want to urge you as I come to an end, as I invite the worship team to join me at this time, I ask you just one question as I ask myself. Have you made a commitment every morning? Before you get up and find out what's happening in the nation on Twitter, on Facebook, on, on you know, the, 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 the stations, have you found out what God himself is saying about today? And about tomorrow. Are you having a daily quiet time? And then secondly, are you reading Genesis to Revelation? Maybe you're saying it's so late in the year. Why don't you just take time? Even if you just say, let me start with the New Testament. Just begin to be in God's word. How come Jesus, in his Pandashuka days, did not treat prophecies with contempt? and did not quench the spirit, and always responded, it is written, it is written, it is written. Have you read what is written, my brother, my sisters? Can you make a commitment, can you make a dedication, that from today, not tomorrow morning, from today, I will sing open the eyes of my heart, but I will also open the Bible and say, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. Let us pray. Buenas, sifiwe wherever you are tuned in from, my brothers, my sisters, I'm just curious, could it be that you have been watching us and you do not know the Lord as your Savior? And uh, as you journey on, it's getting dark, you switch on the lights of your spiritual car, but you can't see in front, it's so foggy, it's so rainy. You turn on the, the wipers and they're wiping off the water, but you still can't see clearly. Here are people talking about thy word is a lamp to my feet, light to my path, that they're able to see in pandemics because God is able to speak to them daily. Why don't you surrender your life to this Jesus? So that you can start from this justification. So that you can start from this being right with God. And all it needs is a white flag. A flag of surrender. A flag of saying I've come to the end of myself which is just the threshold of God. And if that's your desire, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I open the door of my heart. Because you said you stand at the door and knock. And if anyone, regardless of their sin status, if anyone, regardless of their age, if anyone opens the door, you will come in. And so I open the door of my heart and let you in. Write my name in the book of life. And begin to guide me on this journey. Take the wheel, Jesus. You drive in Jesus' name. Maybe you're here and you're a believer and you've been holding on to that wheel. Give him the wheel. And then let his word bring you messages of prophecy. Messages that illuminate your path. In Jesus' name. We've come to the end of our service. And I want us to pray together. Pray for you, for your businesses, for those of you in academics, for those of you whose careers have been ravaged by this situation. Lord, we pray for those who are suffering sometimes without food, for those who are suffering in ill health, Lord, for those who are just discouraged and emotionally low because of this lockdown, We pray, mighty God, those who are in trouble because of all the decisions that need to be made with wisdom beyond our capabilities, our education. Lord, we are praying, send us help from Zion. But what a privilege for us as believers that Jesus, you left your spirit in us that he can guide us. So we don't want to quench him. We want him to have freedom to speak to us, freedom to guide us. And so to that end, Lord, may you bless your people. And now to him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us before his glorious throne, blameless and with exceeding joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now, and evermore. Amen. If you're at home, why don't you say aloud, amen? So that everybody, if you're in the car, just say aloud, amen. Amen. And now let's share in the words of the grace. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and and the the love of God, God, and the fellowship of the the Holy Holy Spirit Spirit, be with us now and forevermore. forevermore. Amen. Amen. the Lord bless you and your loved ones, both near and far.